You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. I just wish you guys were all Rough Rider fans, because if you were, you would know how to cheer, and you would know how to go, amen, you know. So, And all God's people said? Amen. That's better, that's better, awesome. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12. And um, as we are gathered here together, we welcome you today in the parking lot, in your car, online. It is so good to be able to know that God's word continues and will continue to go forth no matter what. And we rejoice in that. And last week, Easter Sunday, we celebrated that the greatest enemy, the greatest obstacle that we face, sin and death, has been defeated. And we rejoice in that. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, whosoever repents, turning to Jesus, putting their trust, putting their hope, putting your lives, putting your everything into Jesus as Lord and Savior, are recipients of that resurrection life. And we can come alive. And that's this sermon series that we're in post-Easter. We get to come alive because we've passed from death to life. And we have verses in God's word in Romans 8, in Ephesians 1. And, and just so you can follow along, there are sermon notes for those of you who have gathered in cars in the parking lot, and we'll post them later in the online lobby. There are notes that you can kind of follow along, scripture references that uh, you can take down some extra notes as well. And we have verses, and the, and the references are there. Romans 8, Ephesians 1. We are told that the power that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in us by the precious Holy Spirit is available to us to empower us and strengthen, encourage, embolden us in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. That comes through the resurrection. And this is such a good news story. And I mean, this all, it preaches so well. Resurrection, resurrection life, now available to you and to me. But, but, but how about when and where the rubber meets the road? Easy to preach, easy to kind of understand in the mind, but what about in the daily grind of life? What about in the nitty and gritty in the troubles and the difficulties that we face. How come we don't oftentimes feel that resurrection power in us? We're supposed to have it and we hear and it preaches and it's in God's word, but I don't feel very powerful. I feel pretty weak. And let's face it, life is hard. A mixture of joys and blessings and sorrows and surprises, thrills that we have in life, certain challenges. There's losses and there's victories and there's hurts. And we can easily, throughout the course of the day, course of the week, course of our lives, we get worn down. And whether it's a hard or a struggling or a difficult relationship or a marriage that's difficult in a difficult stage right now, or a wayward or rebellious children, or a health or financial concern, an addiction uh, that isn't going away, maybe it's a struggle with sexual sin or struggling with sexual identity, dealing with the hurt from the past. Maybe it's the battles you're facing. Maybe it's the battle inside of rejection or unfair treatment or you're dealing with abuse because you were greatly hurt in the past. Maybe there's battles in the home, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in the classroom, with your kids' teachers, with, with the administration of the school. You have life and business decisions that just kind of fill your day and occupy your time. And we've all faced daily, for over a year now, this COVID-19 and all the politics and fear and, and uncertainty and division that it's caused. And I don't know about you, but often I process 
and react to all of the craziness and all of the frustrations. I'll be honest, oftentimes I process it all in the power of my own flesh. And it's oftentimes not very good. There's a lot of frustration. And it's not with this resurrection power that I'm living in. This resurrection power that is supposedly available to me. And you start thinking that maybe impatience and irritability are your new spiritual gift. You kind of thought you had other spiritual gifts, but this impatience and irritability, I mean, it's just taken over your life. People are so triggered. Let's face it, we have some neighbors that, that, I mean, it's unbelievable. They posted two big signs on their lawn. I can't say all the words on it because we're in church and because my wife would get very upset if I said these words in public or even it, and it says, have your dog stop blink on our lawn again and then there's another why do you hate us the next sign goes why do you hate us what have we done to you you are a terrible neighbor you are a terrible human being like it's this long sign and it's just like such anger and yes i know dog doo-doo isn't a, a great thing when you have to clean it up especially someone else's dog but it's still you just see this anger and and even driving i've just experienced like just some some road rage that just seems kind of out of out of the norm. And I think we're all just so triggered and tired and impatient. And either we lash out or we withdraw. And yet we hear this, this come alive. We hear come alive in Easter power, in resurrection power. The power that raised Christ from the dead, it's available to me. But I'm not feeling it. I'm sure not experiencing it. How do we endure without fatigue? How do we continue to keep pressing on how do we persevere without giving up how do we come alive in resurrection power well you might be tempted to think or or you've heard well you just need to let go and let god just let go and 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 just let god take over the situation and everything and just kind of float along float along in the power of the spirit or, or just float along in the spirit i guess and 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 things will just happen and some of that kind of thinking goes back to a, a, a theological belief back in the 1800s. It was called quietism or the higher life, or higher life sanctification. Now that kind of thinking and that kind of theology is pretty hard to justify biblically. Because you see, sanctification, spiritual growth, resurrection power in us, it requires determination and discipline on our behalf. And, and spiritual growth requires, at times, strenuous effort. Yes, we can't do it. We do it in the Spirit's power, but we need to make choices and decisions. Ephesians chapter 6, we see that the Christian life is compared to active spiritual warfare. And we better, we better armor up and be ready for it. In 1 Corinthians 9, it is compared to a boxing match. And a number of places, including here in the passage that was read for us already in Hebrews 12, the Christian life is compared to an agonizing race. Not a sprint. Not a fun run. I don't know if there's people, you hear this, oh, we're having a fun run. Well, running isn't that much fun for a lot of people. I mean, what, what we are told in God's word is that the Christian life, to persevere, we come alive, resurrection power impacts our lives and we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in a greater way as we run the grueling marathon. Knowing that in the end, there will be a rich and mighty and amazing reward. Now, the book of Hebrews was written to God's people who were suffering for their faith and their faithfulness to the Lord. 
They were enduring hardships and trials. Some were being persecuted. Others were being disowned by their families for their choices to follow Jesus. And as a result, some were even thinking about just giving up on Christianity, just going back to their old ways. Not because there was some kind of a flaw in Jesus, but their trials were so great, and they just thought, maybe if I just pack it in, maybe if I just give up, the trials, the temptations, the difficulties will lessen. And so the theme of the book of Hebrews is that in every way, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than the, than the earthly achievements and goals and, 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 and different things that we try to go after. Jesus is better. And in Hebrews chapter 12, as the verses were read, we see four ways that we can endure and persevere without giving up. How do we press on? How do we persevere without giving up? First of all, firstly, we see remembering we are not alone. Look what it says in verse 1 of Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, just to stop there, a great cloud of witnesses does not literally mean that there are witnesses on a cloud in some celestial stadium cheering us on. That's not what that means at all. Nor does it mean that there are friends or loved ones who have passed away, who, who, who have died. It doesn't mean that they are watching and, and cheering us on from heaven. And, and I just got to just help you to understand this, that in, in sometimes we can tend to think this and we are overcome with emotion and we hear at funerals or memorial services, people say, oh, I know they're looking down on us. I know that, that they're here right now and they're watching or else heaven has gained another angel to watch over. Heaven has gained a guardian angel to watch over us and our family now. But folks, I just need to help you to understand there is nothing in the Bible that indicates that that is the case. In fact, this the kind of thinking actually defies the essence of heaven. Because the essence of heaven means that we are separated from all sin and all strife. And where does sin and strife happen? Here on earth. And we're separated. We're enjoying the glories of heaven. And you see, for the person who trusted in Jesus Christ personally as their Lord and their Savior while here on earth, the moment they die, they are in heaven. And I, I, I would no doubt believe that they are then welcomed by this great cloud of witnesses. And we'll see who this great cloud is in a few moments. And they're experiencing the glory, the majesties, the perfections of heaven. And for those who did not trust Christ while they were here on earth, they are experiencing excruciating torment in hell. That's what God's word teaches and therefore, in verse 1, uh, and, and the therefore, as you see right at the start of verse 1, it sends us back to the previous. That tells us who the great cloud of witnesses are. And we see in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith, men and women who despite difficult and trying, nearly impossible circumstances, remain faithful to God. Through tough times of personal failure, through moral failure, or through great pressure and difficulty, even persecution, impossible odds, and they continue to keep their eyes focused on God. They kept the faith. Some of these people written about in Hebrews 11 were mocked, ridiculed. Some of them are unknown. We, we see some of the great patriarchs. We see some of the great men and women of God, but many unnamed who were ridiculed, imprisoned, stoned, sawed in two. Yet they remained faithful to God to the end. 
And, and so these witnesses here in, verse, in, in chapter 12 are not witnesses of us. They are witnesses to the power, to the wisdom, to the righteousness, to the blessing, and to the life of faith. That's who he's talking about here. And these examples are here for us of people who went through trying circumstances and they didn't give up. They pressed on. This also, folks, speaks of the value and the importance of the body of Christ, of other believers in our lives. We are not to be alone. We are not to, the devil loves to isolate us. He loves when he isolates us to accuse us. He loves to tell us lies. You stink. You're a failure. You're ugly. You're such a loser. You're worthless. You're useless. If people knew the real you, they wouldn't like you very much. Or maybe it's that accusing guilt. This time you've gone too far. God's not even going to forgive you. The enemy loves to isolate us and tell us lies in our thinking, but he also loves to isolate us physically. And COVID-19 has done so much in isolating us even further from true, authentic community. And this stresses the importance of what we're doing today. This stresses the importance and the priority, the value of the body of Christ. It's why we have small groups to know, to love, to care, to walk one another, not just having some friends. Friends are good, but we need brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to point us to the word of God, to love us, to pray for us and with us that we can share with and they can share with us. And there are people here at Hope Bible Church, if you're new to the church or checking us out, or maybe you're not that involved or committed yet, but there are people at Hope Church here that will love you, that we want you to, 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 to join us as we desire to follow Christ individually and as a church. Encourage you to join a group. Make it a priority to have others in your life. Or maybe you need to schedule an appointment with a staff member so we can talk with you and pray with you and perhaps point you in some direction in your life. And when it comes to groups or just where you're at, perhaps you need some biblical counseling. We would love to be able to walk with you in that. And if you're unable to join a physical group at this time, the Thursday night prayer time on Zoom, there's a lot of love that happens on Thursday night as we uh, pray together, as we share requests, and as we get busy calling out to God. And so we persevere without giving up, knowing that we are not alone. But here's another thing. We daily, we drop the baggage and we confess our sins to God. This is what we need to be doing daily. Look at what it says, verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, runners competing for a a short race, a 100-meter dash, or a marathon are very careful about what they eat, what they drink, what they consume before the race. They also don't carry backpacks with them. They don't carry some snacks or water or an extra change of clothing just in case. No, they strip down. They get as light as possible. They don't overload themselves with unnecessary burdens. They lay aside every unnecessary weight and hindrance. Now, when it comes to running or when it comes to perhaps packing or traveling, I don't know if you could relate to this, but our family, we are not known to be light travelers. We always pack so much. Part of the reason why we had to get a minivan as soon as we had one kid was just like everything didn't fit. We would pack almost like, oh, it was so crazy. And we still kind of have a tendency towards this end. 
Remember years ago, our kids were quite young. I think they were about three years old and not quite one. Our son, Nate, wasn't quite one yet. We went to Mexico. Our church sent us on a trip there, and, and it was just a wonderful time. But as we packed up, we took a double stroller that we borrowed, a hockey bag full of stuff. We took diapers. We took baby food because we heard diapers and, and baby food weren't that plenteous there. And, and that Charlotte and I both had large suitcases. We had a diaper bag. We had a video camera, two still cameras. And we even packed a hook, a hook like this. And uh, I don't know how well you can see it, but we packed this hook. And you say, why did you pack a hook? Like we literally packed everything because we packed a jolly jumper, because we needed the jolly jumper, because Nate was such a miserable kid. And the only thing that made him happy was the jolly jumper. And by hook or by crook, we were going to find a place, screw that in at the place we were staying, and we were going to have our son in a jolly jumper. And we did. And so I don't know if you're like that, but, but we can get so bogged down. And, and we can carry so much extra baggage. There was a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff that we never even ended up using. But the same thing is true in life. We get so burdened and bogged down. And we accumulate the burdens and the concerns and the cares, not only in our own life, but in our family and, and even those of others. And it weighs us down and bogs us down. The worries, the battles, we get so loaded up. And daily, folks, we need to be releasing our troubles, our battles, our struggles, we need to keep releasing them to God. Are you releasing your burdens daily to God? Are you holding on to them and you're carrying them? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares. He cares for you. It also says in verse 1, it says, lay aside sin which clings so closely. This means that daily we need to be confessing our sin to God. Now, one of the things that we always make sure we have close to us whenever we're preaching here at Hope Church, we always love to have the cross as a reminder. We love to keep it nearby because it serves to you and to me as a visual reminder of what Jesus did in suffering and dying, taking our sins upon himself as our substitute. He took the penalty and the wrath that we deserve, and he did that willingly. He did it out of love. But notice it's also an empty cross. Because he rose in victory on Easter Sunday, conquering sin and death. John chapter 1 verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is a free and standing offer for any and all. No matter who you are, no matter your past, no matter what you have done, you can become a child of God. And that happens when you repent, when you turn from your sins, from your ways, from your agenda and receive Christ as your one and only, as your Lord and your Savior. And you're believing by faith what he did on the cross for you. And when you believe in him and call out to him in that way, you are born again. You become a child of Christ, a child of God, one of his very own. But you see, we can't get right with God on our own. You can't get right with God by just trying to live a good life. It comes only by putting our trust, our confidence fully and solely in Christ. But you see, in and through Christ, at the cross, the victory that was won for us, we, are, we were freed in that moment from the penalty of sin. No longer will we face eternal torment and suffering because of our sin. We are free from the penalty of sin, from the judgment and wrath. It was removed the moment we believed. But you and I, were still, until the day we die, we're still gonna battle with the power of sin. We are tempted in thought, in word, in deeds. 
We are proud. We are arrogant. We lack humility. There are sins of omission in not doing certain things that the Bible says. There are sins of commission in doing what we know the Bible tells us not to do. And perhaps at times, maybe you feel, maybe I, I hope I'm in good company today, and, 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 and I, I think I am, that you can relate, I can relate to the Apostle Paul, who even near the end of his life, after serving God so faithfully in Romans 7, he cries, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of sin? And then it goes, but thanks be to God for his precious gift of Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus can and will set us free from the, he sets us free from the penalty of sin and he helps us with the power of sin. But you see, as we go through the day, we accumulate the burdens, the worries, the fears, as well as the sins. And it's vital that daily we continue to keep dropping the bags, confessing our sins at the foot of the cross. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God wants us leaner. He wants us cleaner. He doesn't want us bogged down in burden. And some of you, you came walking in here today bogged down in burdens by the worries, the concerns, the frustration, the anger, everything that is going on in your life and the world and all these things. And he wants you to drop the burden now and leave it at the foot of the cross. That's what he's calling us to do. That's what we see here. And, and it says, let us then run the race with endurance. The race that is set before us. That word endurance, uh, uh, the, the Greek word is hopamoni. It sounds like some sort of Italian ice cream. I'm sure it would be good. But what it means, hopamone, endurance, this endurance means a steadfast endurance, one foot in front of the other, faithfully following the Lord, dropping our burdens daily at the foot of the cross, confessing our sins. And so we persevere without giving up by running lean, Dropping the burdens, confessing it daily, getting our eyes. Well, we'll see where we get, have to get our eyes fixed in a moment. But then thirdly, we run with confidence knowing what he started, he will finish. This is so awesome. Looking to Jesus, verse 2 says, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is saying that Jesus is the author. He's the originator of your life. The second you were conceived, even before that, he knew everything about you. And he is the author, the author and the originator. And he is like an author and he's writing a story. Writing a story about your life. Is it going to be a story of faithfulness? Is it going to be a story of cowering in fear? Living in areas of sin and disobedience? Or living in the power and the victory that he offers? Because he's desiring to make something beautiful out of each one of us. And you know what? It, this author, he, he writes originals. And he's chosen a unique path for you. And yes, at times it will be hard. But as we press on in obedience, the end result will be God's glory and our joy. But notice it says he's the perfecter. So he's the author, but he's also the perfecter. Or the word there could also mean the finisher of our lives. You know, I love seeing pictures that some of you have posted over the last number of months or even the last number of years, even some this past week, of renovations that you've done, whether for your work or at your home. And I just love seeing the transformation. And, 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 and you getting in there, you have an idea and a plan and a goal of what it's going to look like. I look at it, like even our church office, when we first moved in there, I thought, this is a mess. How is there going to be something awesome built out of it? And, and it is. If you stop by, stop by. If you haven't yet, stop by. It's awesome. And, and it's working so well for us. But, but, 
the same thing, it, it, I love it. When you see the smash up, the demolition, you see the, the, the before pictures, the demolition, and then you see the after, and it's like, oh, that is so awesome when the finishing work is done. But in the midst of the demolition, you kind of think, man, what have I gotten myself into? What a mess, what a difficulty. But in the end, you see, wow, look at what's happened. And so this means that our God is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our lives. This means we can run with confidence, even in the confusion and the chaos that you're facing, even in COVID and all of the mess that it is included. And I think we're all in the ugly phase of demolition right now when it comes to COVID and what it's been doing, wreaking havoc, and in some ways it's been pretty ugly. But if we allow, God can and he will make something beautiful out of the mess of even COVID. But we must continue to trust him. We must continue to obey him, even in the midst, knowing that he is the author and he is the finisher. And he, is God, he desires to make something beautiful and to finish well. He desires to do this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Or in Jude 24, it says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now get this, get this. This is, this is mind-blowing when you understand what God's word is saying to us. That one day, one day Jesus will stand before the God of this universe. And if we have persevered as his children, that one day he's going to stand there and he's going to say, God, I present to you Meldon Lutzer. God, I present to you Marla Messenbrake. God, I present to you Jackson Anderson. Before the God of this universe, it stands, it says here that, that he will present us blameless before the presence of his glory. And he's going to do it. Next, I present to you Melden Lutzer. No, it's like with great joy. It's like, yes, the victory has been won. It's happened. That's what's going to happen. God's word says it, not Melden, not just some amped up because I had lots of coffee today kind of thing in me. No, this is a reality of, of what is happening and what will happen one day. And so we press on knowing he is the author and he is the finisher. Let's, let's finish well. And how do we do that? How do we persevere without giving up? The last point here, number four, by keeping our eyes locked on Jesus. We get so distracted by money, by fame, by glory, by power, by chaos, by everything. And look what it says, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. When Jesus went to the cross, his focus was not on suffering, it was not on agony, it was not on the torture, the abuse, the denial, the abandonment of his followers. That wasn't where, it, it, he knew it was going on, but that wasn't the driving focus in his mind. 
He faced a crisis. Like sometimes you and I, we've been involved in things where our head is spinning and we just don't even know when we receive bad news or when we're walking through a hardship and a trial of uncertainty. But he faced a a crisis, the like of which no human has or ever will face. And that crisis that he faced was being alienated from God, bearing all the sins, all of your sins. And you know, last time I checked, you guys have a lot of sins. And so do I. And he took the sins of the world, every one, he took them all upon himself and the punishment that they deserved. And it is for those that have trusted in him, he has taken that upon himself. Throughout history, who would believe on his name to save them, he took that. He believed, he trusted, and he endured. Because he didn't look at the surroundings. He didn't look at exactly, that wasn't where his focus was on the cross, on the soldiers, on those that, that denied and ran and abandoned him. His eyes were fixed. They were locked. Where? It tells us at the seat, right, at the right hand of the throne of God. He knew that God was on the throne. And he knew there was a seat waiting for him on the right hand side. And this was his motivation. This was the goal. To once again be with his heavenly father and knowing, and this is the exciting part, it wasn't just about him, oh good, just get through this so that we can, you know, have, you know, can be back with my heavenly father. He knew that following through with this, with endurance and faithfulness, that he would make a way for any and all who would believe in him to be his brothers and sisters and there'd be room on that throne for us, co-heirs with Jesus, brothers and sisters, children of God. And yet, we can get so bent up and bent out of shape over everything going on and sadly, Wrongly, folks, we see way too much as heaven is just the destination. We just see it as they're waiting for us when we die. Heaven needs to be more and more and more the motivation in our lives. The motivation as to why we do what we do. And so like the runner, eyes locked on the finish prize, eyes locked on the gold medal, on winning, on finishing the race. Our race is to be run and dominated by the anticipation of the glory of heaven that awaits the child of God, finishing the race that he's marked out for us. But so sadly, we oftentimes have our eyes, our focus, our minds locked on the fleeting, passing, temporary pleasures and passions, the toys, the thrills of this world. They're not all bad, but they're not going to satisfy. And that is so much where our hearts and our focus is. And we've got to stop thinking that way, a bigger, better, more, nicer, and, 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 and all that. And we need to be having heaven as that motivation. May we consider him, eyes locked on him daily. We do that in worship. We do that as we continue to keep calling out to him throughout the day. Would you bow with me? I wonder today, where is your hope? What have you trusted in, in a sense, for your salvation? Is it just simply good works and trying to live a good life? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Are you running today in isolation? You may even be here physically, but you're still isolating yourself from people. You need others in your life. Not just buddies, not just the, some girlfriends in your life, no. But people who will walk with you, point you to Jesus, his word, can pray with you. Times ask you the tough questions of life and love you through it. And I wonder what baggage, what sin needs to be unloaded today. 
What burdens do you need to drop? Because you're tired and you're weary of carrying them. Are there areas of sin you need to confess and run from? Perhaps you've been trying to confess and run from these sin on your own, and it's there's certain sins and certain battles we try to battle on our own. We, we're not going to do it on our own. We need brothers and sisters. We might need help from pastoral or counseling advice and direction. Break free from that today. And I wonder what areas of ugliness in your life do you need to trust him to make something beautiful out of? Maybe you're looking with, with shame and regret over wasted years or wasted opportunities and, and you just see ugliness and you see brokenness and regret. Can you trust him today to make something beautiful of it? And lastly, is your fix, is your focus on Jesus? The, the author, the one who starts the race for us and the one who finishes it. And so God, we turn to you. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you that we can come alive today, not in our own strength and power because in and of ourselves, every one of us, we're weak. And God, we need you. And would we call out to you today, would we drop the burdens? Would we cast our every care upon you knowing that you care so much for us? Would we confess that sin because that sin puts a blockage and it affects our relationship with you, it affects our relationship with others? God, would we break free from isolation, from fear, from worry? And would we run to you and knowing that what you have started, you will finish and you desire to, for each one of us to finish strong, may we walk confidently in obedience with you, keeping our eyes fixed on you. And it all is because of you, Jesus. And so we worship and we praise you and we thank you even now, as the band declares to us in Christ alone.